You're listening to the Leadership Jam Session Podcast, the place where you'll get to hear leaders at all levels of management share their practical solutions to the management challenge you face every day. So let's give it a jam. I'm your host, Rob Fonte. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Leadership Jam Session. Today's guest is Abigail Manning, who is passionately committed to helping others live their best lives by removing limiting thoughts, overcoming life obstacles, and relentlessly moving forward. Abigail is an international speaker and facilitates workshops for a number of her corporate and military clients. And most importantly, she is the proud mother of U.S. Marines. Abigail, welcome to the Jam Session. Good morning, Rob. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah, it's great to have you. Are you ready to jam? Absolutely. Let's do this. All right. I appreciated you sending me a link to a talk that you did at the U.S. Air Force the Air University. Absolutely. And so they call it LEDX and it stands for Leadership Education Development. And the X part is experience, the E-E-X and the experience. And it's a national event that they do. I was honored that someone had recommended me. It was a, an amazing, terrifying, totally rewarding experience for me. And it was a, a 20 minute kind of like TED talk format they have on the big stage. And then you also can go and teach a workshop. So what made it terrifying? Cause I got to imagine <laughs> it, it, it probably was a little bit intimidating. Well, first of all, you're on a, a base, right? I'm a civilian. My kids are not, my kids are military. So I've been on many bases and things like that, but you're getting picked up. They're very official, not as much as the Marines. The Air Force is a little softer about the way the good morning, ma'am, you know, like that. <laughs> and you're there. It's a big stage. It's a big auditorium. The lights are super bright. You're surrounded by amazing speakers, best-selling authors, and this was my first big national presentation. I was surrounded by some of the most kind, wonderful people, including Jim Vassilopoulos, Jan Rutherford, Steve Justice, people who just lifted me up and really helped out, including Bill DeMarco, who is the one of the main guys running that event. So surrounded by stellar people, kind of watching them do it. Like you said, people are going to learn from me. Well, I think we all learn from each other. Mm -hmm. So I watched them do it. And I noticed the day before I was supposed to go that the notes aren't up there. You only can see the slide, not the next slide like you do in PowerPoint and stuff like that. So I had to quickly go back to my hotel room that night and memorize the next slide. So it's just a lot of that. And it's also one of the first times I shared a lot more of my story. I've done it before for a non-recorded and this had huge TV cameras and it was going to be recorded and sent out and on video and all of that. There are mostly a lot of military speakers, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of male speakers mm -hmm. and and I decided if I'm going to be me, I'm going to be me and I'm going to be unique and do some unique things in the talk. I give you a lot of credit. Not being in the military, walking on that stage, I think is very courageous. And you did a great job. Loved the video link that, that you sent me. And in your slides, you used Legos of <laughs> Star Wars Stormtroopers. So you had me at, at Legos right out of the <laughs> gate. So. That, well, I, I figured I have my own life in the trenches type of thing that they can relate to, but I figured what the heck, why not? And the thing is, I wish they had a mic in the audience because it was hysterical to be able to look out and see them elbowing each other or kind of like very politely, not trying to laugh out loud, but mm -hmm. I wanted them to laugh. Right. And that was the point of it. So it was fun. There are more people than not comment that I used Legos. And that was really my son who inspired me to do it. He's like, be brave, mom. You would tell me to be brave, be you. And no one else is going to have Legos. Trust me. And I'm like, okay. Well you were brave. That's for sure. <laughs> loved it. And, and loved the leadership concepts that, that you spoke of. So maybe you can share 
a little bit about your topic and, and what you spoke about. The overall arching thing that I speak on, regardless if it's a class or workshop mm-hmm. or speech or something like, you know, adventure retreats is about self-mastery and really self-mastery is about strength of character and how do we have strong character and why is that important? So in that 20 minute talk, I talk a lot about the different curriculum I teach. I develop my own on purple threads. It came from an education in cognitive, social, and behavioral studies, a double major in that, but it also mostly came from my life experiences. I've overcome a lot of trauma in my life and I've been able to, I have to use humor as you can tell from the Legos, right? So I put together my own artwork, my own humor so that we can start identifying what is holding us back. What are our limiting personal thoughts? And that is the first step to me for self-mastery is to understand and really hear what's going on in here and eliminate what is unhealthy or toxic or counterproductive, and then really build up and beef up the thought processes of I can do this and then turning around and being able to see that in other people. In terms of of being a leader, right, and leading people, how does that help leaders be better in terms of leading their teams? Don't tell anybody because they won't take my workshop, but the key takeaway... is empathy. You learn it's okay to be authentic. You learn it's not only okay, but that's the only way you're going to have self-mastery. It's the only way you're going to be genuine and people can spot a phony. And not only that, but you know, when you're being fake, you know, when you're not living up to your highest potential, you know, when you're acting bigger than what you are or smaller than what you are. And that is not how you build self-mastery. Self-mastery is saying, okay, I have weaknesses. I know it. And how am I going to get up and over and around those? And, and I know you do talk a lot about like some of the, the self-limiting thoughts, right? That, that mm-hmm. hold us back. And would you say, is that, is that the key in terms of, of trying to become more aware of that and be able to move forward? I would say out of self-mastery, there's three steps that I teach and it's self-awareness, self-ownership and self-commitment. And so if you want to get technical, there's some science, but there's really smart science people. I quote them all the time. I recommend their books, but it's three layers. So what those three steps are, are then our cognitive, social, and behavioral. I simplify it to think, say, do. And the first step of the cognitive is what are you thinking? And that's the purple threads. And the definition I've come up with is, so think PT when you hear this, limiting personal thoughts that are connected to past traumas that become physiologically tied to what we think, say, do. Because what we have going on up here, conscious or unconscious, eventually comes out here in our communication, right? And so for leadership, we communicate what we want from other people, verbally, non-verbally, body language, tone of voice, specific words that we use, the image that we have, how we present ourselves or present ourselves. And then the final step is do, and that's how leaders can change the culture by one is changing themselves and realizing it in themselves and seeing that they're going to lead the way they're going to show other people where they have weaknesses and ask other people, how can I be a better leader? Where have I failed you? This department didn't do well this last year. I haven't done my job. How can I do better? What other resources do you need? Those are language skills that we can all learn communication skills, but you have to have the self-awareness and the confidence to be able to say, I didn't do my job. If I had done my job, this company would have done better or we would have had more success. So that's why I think it's key to have that authentic self-awareness. I totally agree. It's classic. You kind of see it. The the leaders that don't ask, what can I do better? Are the ones that usually 
run into a lot of problems with their teams with disengagement and and the ones that that take the approach just like you said are the ones that it is interesting they actually do have the confidence to ask what can i do better or right. what do we need to do to change things right and i love that you said what so a really great leader asks what why mm-hmm. why do you think this happened what could we have done to prevent it you know, or we're afraid to do this. Okay, well, then what? What if it crashes and burns? Then what? And that's how you get innovation. That's how you get diversity of thought. That's how you get trusting teams. I'm really big on trust. I made it into an acronym so I could remember it, but it's truth, respect, unity, safety, and transparency. That's how you build all of those things is by saying, instead of me telling you, Rob, what you're doing and what you're not doing, asking I can see observations, but there might be some things I'm missing. And that's part of the purple threads. You have a whole life behind you. Mm -hmm. You have a whole personal life. You have a professional life. There's a lot going on in everyone's world. And when we can authentically understand that everyone has a limiting personal thought and a Mm -hmm. limit, you know, background and traumas that they've overcome, and maybe the best they're doing that day is really phenomenal. It could be really phenomenal. And maybe you can be part of that healing path for them because you've built a trusting state, safe environment. And you've told them maybe for the first time ever, I believe in your ability to figure this out. I believe in your ability to come with the right tools. And that's what great leaders do. They do create that environment where mm-hmm. employees do feel safe. I love the acronym. Say, say it again. So it's sure. trust, but, but walk us through it again. So trust is truth, uh-huh. respect, unity, safety, and transparency. So in order to have trust, I think you need those five key components. And not only do you have to like give them, but you have to expect other people to give them back. I teach about healthy boundary lines. So if someone is not being respectful and it's in a team environment and other people are seeing it, they're going to look at you as a weaker leader because you're not demanding respect. Right. You're not setting that as the culture. Yeah. And, and that's all done through the say process, the communication. And, and there is a level of expectation from the rest of the team that you as a leader, you're going to fix that, resolve that to make sure there is a safe environment. And I recently worked with a team and there was, they had a beautiful team and there was dissension starting. Mm-hmm. And so I did a team meeting and we talk about mental health and well-being and tips and wellness and all of this. And I said, okay, we're going to talk about communication and we're going to talk about self-awareness. So the key about talking about communication irks that you have about yourself or someone else is so that you can self-reflect on where am I doing this? And we went around the circle and it was interesting to me, the one-upmanship came up a lot, the interrupting. And I'm like, you know, interrupting is really a sign of of trying to be intimidating. It's really a sign of being insecure in yourself. Like I have to interrupt you to show that I know something too. And people are like, no, that's a sign of power. I'm like, no, it's not a sign of power. It's a sign of weakness. So we went around the circle and we started talking about communication irritations. You could see people go, I do that, but I'm enthusiastic. Listen, if if my wife was here and my family would be here a long time, (laughs) having them just kind of talk about what irritates them on things that I do and how I communicate. So I I, I get it. There's definitely a need to kind of recognize what irritates us. So in this setting, was a team leader also there? No. Okay. So So, that was a private, that was more of a CEO level. And this was like boots on the ground. So I said, I want to build that trust with them because until we change that culture, they're not going to feel safe and comfortable talking in front of their boss about each other. So don't put them in that position. Have me be the neutral person that's in that position that I can give tough love 
-hmm. I can call people out and then I can encourage them and build them back up into something, a better skill set than what they have. And what we literally had, they're like, okay, lady, you're kind of weird. I had a ball, right? Like one of my kids, old soccer balls, when they started, when they were like three and five, right? The really little ones. And I said, you can't talk unless you had the ball. And at the end, I said, does anybody know why I use the ball? And they couldn't figure it out. I'm like, because don't be a ball hog, mm. pass the ball, be respectful when the ball is passed. Mm -hmm. Even if you're the great sharpshooter, you know, in basketball or in soccer, don't hog the ball. I try to give people tools like that, that they can remember. That's why I use visuals. So the purple threads is actually artwork that I developed of a, a knitted purple uh, sweater with purple threads going through it. So people can remember that because we're very visual. We don't remember very much of what we hear. We do remember what we see a lot more. And then we really remember what we do. So that's why I try to get people up and moving and doing kinetic things like taking a purple thread and knotting it as they're working and as they're writing. Because if you can get as a leader, you can get your people to do what you want them to do. Mm -hmm. it, they're going to remember it a whole lot more than you just standing up there in a, in a room telling everyone what they need to do. Right. Well said. And just walk us through again. So purple threads, you referenced it a few times, right? So what does it stand for? So people go, oh, what? but I like the color purple. And I, you know, and I say, that's great because purple is the color of courage. And it takes a lot of courage, as you know, Rob, to look within. Yeah. It was really painful. So my trauma, I came from childhood abuse by both my parents and domestic violence. And I landed in the pit of PTS. And there is a lot of, of trauma that I've been through that I had to, that I thought everybody could see. And so these purple threads are hidden within us. And we think everyone else can see all these false statements that were, it's called grooming. And then as you're an adult, it's called gaslighting into you about all your unworthiness statements. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. I'm not all the different things that we all, everybody has one. I've done this thousands of times. And even when people say, yeah, yeah, I don't have one. I'm like, okay, well, let's just give it some time. And they always come up with something that's an, a, a limiting thought, a limiting mm -hmm. personal thought. And so this is where you came up with the whole concept in and how you approach your workshops and working with, with clients based on the purple thread concept that you came up with and, and how you pull it through. Right. And what I like about it is that they all build upon each other. So for example, I taught at USAFA a bunch of different times at the United States Air Force Academy, and it was about grit and resilience, overcoming mm -hmm. obstacles. And so we start with, again, self-awareness. And that's the key to me is the purple threads. I explain it that way about how to have self-awareness. And it does really build instant empathy between people when they realize and they start hearing what other people's purple threads mm -hmm. are. And they're like, I had no idea. I worked with a group of CEOs for one of the country's top mental health well-being, and they wanted kind of a retreat experience. And we went around the room and the CFO said, you need to stop. I said, Okay because we were reading their purple threads on their purple cards. And he said, I'm having such a hard time. And he, he took off his glasses and he was actually crying. He's like, these are some of the best minds and highest, highly educated people. And they have these. And it was, I don't speak up because I'm afraid they'll realize I'm not as smart as they think I am. That I'm not as good as all these other people. They truly make a difference. I don't think I have much impact in this organization. And, and I said, yes. And you know, what's interesting. This is in the first 20 minutes of our meeting. And these are what they're willing to already share. Mm -hmm. And they know they're going to be read out loud to a group of eight people, their colleagues. 
And that's how powerful it is when you really care about people and you let them know you really care and you want to help them become better. Cause I think everyone wants to live their best life. I agree. And, and I have seen the power of when colleagues learn more about each other, uh, a little bit more on a personal level, it does make them better in terms of just connecting with each other. I also know there are some out there. I know there are, you know, some leaders then that might be very uncomfortable with this. And, and even in, in a team setting, there's the, the question of, well, what about TMI, too much information? How do you overcome that? And I think it's great that, that you know, such as a, a neutral third party, such as yourself, being in the room obviously helps with that. But I am just curious, how do you overcome some of that, that fear? Because that, I think that is a reality. It is absolutely a reality. And that's why selling some of the workshops that I have is so hard. One of them is about the adverse spiral. And it's how do we prevent that from happening from stress to addiction, to depression, to suicide, all that. Mm-hmm. Here's, I think, what happened. So when I first started selling, I have a sexual, uh, leading a healthy workplace environment. It's about sexual harassment and assault prevention. Mm-hmm. And I co-teach it with Rear Admiral Michael Giorgione, who's retired. He was a commanding officer at Camp David. And he he was like, I don't think they're going to do this. And the Navy said, no way is anybody going to participate. They're not going to share. They're not going to, like you said, too much information, all that kind of, they're not going to do it. And I love that. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, watch me. Mm-hmm. And, and I was really nervous, but if you believe in what you're doing, you can't be nervous. You have to lead with courage. It was the first workshop. It was the first time Mike and actually, and I were meeting in person. We had talked over phone calls and things like that to set it up and build the workbook and all of the curriculum and how he was going to integrate his leadership into my curriculum, right? And how we are going to weave it together. I think Rob, what it is, is honestly being authentic, owning your story, owning your journey, having power and control over things, being willing to be vulnerable because when they saw I was being brave, they instantly wanted to be brave too. Mm -hmm. And the neatest thing that I was not ready for that when I teach that particular class is typically half the room will say, I have been through trauma because we list trauma. Trauma can be very small little things. It can be one huge time event. It can be all the, and we have people understand like, what does trauma really look like? And we go through a whole different definition and brainstorming of what it's like. And people are like, oh yeah, I've been through that and that and that and that. No wonder I'm short-tempered. No wonder I'm angry. No wonder I'm insecure. But half the room will raise their hand and say, yeah, I, I've been treated that way or I've been through that trauma. And then usually not as confidently, but the other half kind of goes like this. And I say, Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're like that manipulator, that guy, that I'm I'm that person. That's me. And Mm -hmm. what I'm a strong believer in Rob is there's no shame, blame, judgment and isolation. So when you learn from other people who are hurt, you learned not healthy leadership skills. So you turn around and you do them yourself. And then I have that accountability check, but now that's why you're here and why, and then that's okay. But now that you know more, you're going to do more. I I think you made a a great point in terms of defining trauma, because it probably is different for everyone, different levels of it. And even just having a bad experience in in a work environment, or even just reporting into a, you know, a a bad manager and, and being made to feel, you know, that you are inadequate, insufficient, that in itself to that person could be trauma. Is that? that Absolutely. You just, you hit one of the ones that most people don't get back around to is embarrassment at work, feeling like you dropped the ball at work, being called out, someone ridiculing you at work, 
a boss undermining you at work. Those are all forms of trauma. You dread going to work, you're knuckled, you know, driving into work that morning, and then you come home and you're frustrated. Those are definitely different forms of trauma. And what I like about it, people go, yeah, me too. I didn't know you had that as well. Or I always thought they talked about behind my back. If they're talking about you behind your back, they're probably doing the same with me. I'm not alone. That's the key to all of this, Rob, is that you realize you're not alone and you realize that your trauma is different than my trauma, but it connects the two of us. So I'll see people across the room that didn't really couldn't stand one another before it at the end say, you know, I grew up in foster care. I didn't know that you grew up not knowing where your next meal was going to be. You had a mom and dad, but you didn't know where you guys were poor and you lost your house and you lived in your car for a while. I grew up in foster care An instant connection, instant. I have your back instant morale building instant. I trust you more now than I did before this session. If there was a, a message you can give to employees who, who feel like there is a sense of trauma that they're dealing with and it's their trauma, as we talked about, it's different for each person. What's the best advice you can give them? The best advice, I'm going to go back to the word authentic, Mm -hmm. being authentic. We are not, especially in the workplace, supposed to be therapists. I am not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a doctor, nor do I want to be. I highly Mm -hmm. respect them. They help me a ton. I can't do that. It's too triggering for me, but I am a good coach, a good Mm -hmm. go fight win an authentically caring, loving, kind person. And I think as leaders, that is what's important. When I've taken suicide prevention classes, what they tell us is you you look the person in the eye. Again, this is kind of back to that communication, the say, and then the physical do part. You have eye contact with them. You set the phone down. You do like what you're doing right now. You're like leaning into the conversation and you care about that person. And that's not built overnight. Trust is not built overnight. It's built step-by-step-by-step. Right. Step experience by experience by experience. And then you say, let's get you the resources. Mm. I'm going to walk you literally in in suicide prevention. You walk with them to Mm. the resource. Can I make that phone call to the hotline right now? Let's contact HR. We have lots of resources because people are afraid to speak up because they feel alone Like they're the only ones going through this experience. And in COVID, that's a trauma that's been coming up over and over and over. Multiple layers of isolation. I'm an extrovert and I'm a hugger, high fiver, you know, physical touch type of person. And so COVID all those months that there is a lot of trauma in that. And it starts escalating those limiting personal thoughts in our heads. People don't want to say that. Mm-hmm. And when you can say that and you build the trust, then take them and get them the resources. Cause there's tons of resources out there for all of us from nonprofits and through our organizations. So I think it comes full circle on what you said before, the empathy piece, having that empathy and being more aware of it. And you're right, particularly in COVID times. In fact, my organization, my company has been asked, and I do have an HR person who works on my team to bring more awareness to this. So managers can, we've done some workshops around that where, you know, managers can become a little bit more aware and have the empathy to recognize some of these changes in their employees during these times. But I love what what you're doing as well in terms of taking it a step further and just having these team discussions that really helps to build a better network within the team. And then being able to speak your truth in a kind way. I mentioned the healthy boundary line. So when we did Mm. that irritation conversation... That is, people that is could great. then, you know, I, I acknowledge that that's hard 
it's hard. How do you do it in a way without getting into a combative way, a defensive way, an attacking way, or I'm hurt, right? You got to own your own journey. So if you were to say something really mean to me, I have to own, if I'm going to let that in, if I'm going to let you weave that into me, or if I'm not, if I'm going to say, thank you, I understand your position. I don't agree with you. And let's move forward. Being able to do that in a team where you can have respect. And I think that's something in our country that I love when I can help build people together that really can't stand each other. It's like a really great big puzzle to figure out and trying to find the points of connection. And it's kind of a game I've taught my kids is finding a connection in someone, understanding how that person ticks, you know, instead of just saying things that are easy, that slow, dumb, mean, angry, what's wrong with that person, right? I often say my classes, instead of that, when you go through this, you say, instead of what's wrong with that person, you say, what wrong was done to that person? If you start and you don't be triggered by their behavior, but you dig a little deeper with a little more empathy and a little bit more maturity of leadership, it's hard. It's hard to be a leader. There's a lot of pressure on your shoulders. It's exhausting. But what's even more exhausting is when you have this background going on in your head Mm -hmm. and you're trying to be a leader on top of it and you're listening to their, you know, And so having some of these skills in place, I think make for a a kinder, more productive culture. And that that's my goal. I agree. Like you said, we're not therapists, we're not psychologists, but leading teams on any given day, you feel like you're a therapist or a psychologist, right? And you come across so many different scenarios that it's challenging, right? To figure out, do I go left? Do I go right? Can I just go home instead? Like, there's a lot of challenges at times that, that do come I'm up. I'm inspired by people all the time, including you and the beautiful work that you do for leadership and especially with emerging leaders. There was a quote the other day when I was feeling my own purple threads kind of yanking at me and I was like, oh, not again, go away. And I was on my feed came up a Simon Sinek quote that said, when in doubt, I think it said, when in doubt, be yourself. I'm like, oh. Exactly. That's exactly what I teach people. And like, here, I would, do I go left? Do I go right? Do I? And I was like, okay, just in good leadership, instead of being all over the place, like left, right, up, down today, I'll try this tomorrow. I'll try that. Good leadership is calm. It's consistent. It's reliable. And that's how we build trust. Right. So if I'm like, okay, duh, I just be me. Mm -hmm. I just be me. And that was one of the things about, we started the conversation with stepping on the stage, Mm. just be me. Just be me. The hard thing with that was I was so brainwashed that people don't like me. People don't care about me, Mm. that I'm not smart. I have nothing of worth and value to share with anybody. How ridiculous to even think that way. And so I have to remember that like, you know, like, okay, that is not truth. Like if I'm feeling nervous, I talk about scanning your brain. Like, okay, those, those, those are the lies And sure, there's going to be people who don't like my work. And there's going to be people Mm -hmm. who think it's crazy or dumb or stupid or whatever. That's okay. That's okay. That's fine. And there are going to be people who say, hmm, interesting, and then go about their day. And then there are people, because I know that it significantly changes their life and saves their life. Because I've been told timeless times that I saved their life. That's my fuel for my fire. And that's why I, I just will be me. I will be clear. I'll be calm. I'll be consistent in my messaging because I'm just being me. I can't do anything else other than just be consistently me. And that's where your company name comes into play. Yes. So the company name is create awareness and then dot, 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 change lives. Change lives. Because 
I started taking on ownership as a leader. Like it was my job then to walk them to the AA meeting. It was my job to sit and listen to every single problem that they had. And then I was never getting anything done. And mm -hmm. I saw that. So my job as a leader for what I do is to create awareness, have people go, huh, never thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. And then it's their job to change their life. To your point, I think this is oftentimes missed in leadership and for emerging leaders, I think it is important for, for those of you out there to understand this, that as a leader, you do have the ability to make a profound impact on someone's life through your actions and guidance and support. In many cases, you can change someone's life just by being a, a, a good leader. I completely agree with you, Rob. Think about coaches. Everybody thinks about their own life. Find an inspiration person. Think about who was a coach. So my high school gymnastic coach, Coach Tony Calabrese, was a huge influence in my life. We all have those. You have a teacher who saw you, pulled you aside. I have several of those that I can think of mm -hmm. that saw something in me that no one else could see and I couldn't see in myself. And as a leader, you have that opportunity over and over and over again. As a, as a regular person going into the grocery store, you have that ability to do it over and over again. So even if you say, I'm not a CEO, I'm an emerging leader, or I'm brand new to the, the company, you still can carry yourself proud. You can still see other people. You can still find opportunities to display leadership like communication and styles and inspiration. And I think it's absolutely imperative that our leaders look at their people. Profits are important, right? Because I'm a business owner. You have to have profit. You don't, you don't stay around if you don't have profit. And how do you balance that between profit and people? And the key is that if you have one, you can build more of the other. So with more profit, you can build more people skills and HR and leadership skills and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And if you invest in your people and believing in them with your time, your energy, your money, your resources, your, your insight, your care about them, they'll work harder you won't have as high of turnover. You'll have better retention. You'll have m people who will go that extra mile for you all the time. And you'll have more profit eventually. I completely agree. Well, and, and as we're winding down, I thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you. Loved your your talk as well when you sent me that link because I can see the, the, the levity in it as well. And it really, you, you just have a very powerful message that you're able to convey. Well, thank you. Coming from you, that means a lot to me. Thank you, Rob. Well, uh, again, thanks for, for coming on and, and sharing your story. As I said, I, I think you're very brave and, and appreciate sharing your background, sharing your concepts and how you are making a difference with the lives of many employees out there and leaders. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to our future conversations. Yes. And before we wrap up, just if you can maybe share, if somebody would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Oh, thank you, Rob. How nice of you. So they can email me at Abigail, A-B-I-G-A-I-L at C-A hyphen C-L dot com. So that's for create awareness hyphen change lives. You can find it there. You can find on the, if you Google YouTube, put my name, Abigail G. Manning, you can find it. I'm wearing a dark dress with gold braids on it and kind of pointing up. That's where they captured the, the thing. They can learn more information there. And if they've, we're actually rebuilding our website, but if they want to see anything or resources or send someone to resources who've been through abuse in particular, please feel free to send them to abigailgmanning.com. 
and there's flip cards with more information on how to help someone who's maybe been through that form of trauma. Great. And, and we'll put your links in the show notes as well. Oh, wonderful. Well, Abigail, thanks again for coming on. Truly enjoyed the conversation. Same here, Rob. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be a guest. And now I feel like a friend after our last couple conversations. So Absolutely. please know the door is always open and I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks again. Thanks so much for listening in today. If you're interested in learning more about the show or how we can assist you through my leadership consulting company, then please visit my website at leadershipjamsession.com. 